continue to pray for Eric. He had surgery uh, about two weeks ago, I think, something like that. And uh, several years ago, he went to sleep and woke up the next morning. And he couldn't hear out of one of his ears. It was absolutely gone. And that's hard for anyone, but especially somebody that loves music. And so he has kind of uh, worked through that, and they've had different uh, surgeries, and then they just had an, another kind of update on something to help him. But just pray for him. That can be discouraging, again, for all of us, but a musician, it has a special burden. Also, pray for Mike Hall. Mike uh, had surgery on his foot and was making a good recovery. And then this past week, at the end of the week, um, had some difficulty uh, and really a, a major setback. And then I, I just found out in Life Group that uh, Judy took him into the emergency room this morning. So uh, as far as I know, he's still there right now. So let's pray for him right now. Would you pray with me and pray for Mike and Judy? They, they both have had a very difficult past couple of months. And our Heavenly Father, we uh, come to you on behalf of our friends today. I mentioned Eric. We continue to pray for him that you would um, give the doctors wisdom as they treat him. And Lord, you are Rapha. You're the great physician. We pray that you would uh, touch his body, touch his hearing. And if you want to use doctors, you can do that. But I pray for my brother that you would encourage him and restore his hearing. And we pray for Mike and our friend Judy. They're at the hospital right now that you would give the doctors wisdom. And Lord, uh, remove the infection and uh, just help him. He, he's battled this foot and done all of the um, restoration and everything they've asked him to do. And, and just take good care of them. They both had a, a tough fall. So please, please help um, our friends, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to turn to the Gospel of John this morning, the first chapter, John chapter 1. And we will read there in just a moment. I want to talk to you about the name of Jesus, an important Christmas name, a Christmas title, actually. It's really not a formal name, a name, a title for the Lord Jesus Christ, a most important name. If you've ever been out to eat with me, most of the time, almost every time, when the waiter comes or the waitress right before they leave, I have bad hearing. I usually They usually tell us I don't catch it. I will ask for their name. So what, what is your name? Uh, I don't like to say, hey, you. I want to know their name. Dale Carnegie said, uh, the sweetest sound in the human language is the sound of your name for people to, to say your name. And I try to use that in a, in a kind way uh, to speak their name. Uh, your name is important uh, where you got your name. Names are important in cultures and in specific cultures. Names are very, very important, and that was true in Bible days. Now, some names, when you hear them, you have varying responses uh, on a spectrum from, wow, I, uh, I'm excited about uh, that name when you hear that name. And then uh, sometimes we hear names and we say, oh, no, I'm not excited about that one. You know, one of the benefits uh, of cell phones is that little caller ID function, isn't it? And you kind of see that that name, that name come up and you say, oh, no, this is not going to be a good call. Uh, sometimes it's not the name of a person. It's the name of a business. Maybe you owe them money. Or maybe it's it's just a business that that uh, we we uh, had a business where we've done uh, uh, some business with for years. So Paula had negotiated with them a price, and then we got a bill where they said, "Well, it's time for our annual update," and they raised the price back where it was after she spent a long time. And uh, angry wife, angry wife. And uh, so when I see Paula's name on the phone, I say, oh, no, I better not take that call right now. Uh, so you, you, you see those names, and, and they on the full range of the spectrum, from I, I'm going to take this, this brings joy to my heart. Your heart warms. And then there are other names that you say, I, I don't know about that. Because the name represents the nature of the relationship. 
I was thinking about this idea when I was preparing the introduction this past weekend for the message. And I thought about uh, in the book of Proverbs where the Bible talks about the importance of a good name. A good name. And usually we, we think about that, you know, we've, if you're a Christian and you've grown up in church especially and you understand the importance of having a good name. And so we, we tell our kids, you need to have a good name. I used to tell our kids, now remember your name. They'd be walking out the door. I said, remember your name. And I got to thinking about it one day. I said, they have no idea what that means. So I, I started putting some you know, content to it. And I said, now, you have three names. I said, number one, your, your name is Johnson. And I said, everywhere that I go, I said, I, I'm going on the name of my mom and dad. My mom and dad have a good name. And I'm either adding to that name or taking away from it. And I said, everywhere you go, you're, you're reflecting on the name of your grandparents and on my name. You, you have my name. That's your first name. Number two, you have the name of Friendship Baptist Church. That's your name. And I said, and it's getting heavy, isn't it? I mean, oh, Dad, don't tell me another one. I said, thirdly, your name is Christian, and that's the most important name. The name of Jesus goes with you wherever you go. And so maybe once a year, I'll give them that little speech so that whenever I told them, as they went out the door, remember your name. And we want our kids to remember their testimony. But when the Bible says there in Proverbs, I think it's in Proverbs 22.1, about the importance, the value of a good name is better than any amount of money. Uh, but it's not just having a good testimony. When you have a, a good name, from your good name springs authority. You have authority when you have a good name, and it also gives you opportunities. One of my kids uh, went to get a job recently, and uh, they went in there and, and um, went to do, do all the paperwork, as you know how, how that works out. And so uh, meeting with the, the manager, the top dog in the place, not just a manager, but really, I don't know what the title is, but this person next to the owner what was the person. And they're just kind of going through with an interview, trying to get help and so forth. And said, um, and so my daughter said, well, my, uh, my brother worked for you. And that, that stopped because all of a sudden you, you can attach the face to a name. And said, who's your brother? And she mentioned her brother's name, my, my son, one of my boy's names. And she hadn't finished the paperwork. And, she, and he said, that's your brother? He said, you're hired. My daughter was hired on the basis of the name of her brother. Now, obviously, that's a heavy thing because she has to maintain the name of her brother. We had a restaurant. We were in there um, the first week she was in there. So we went in there, and he came, he came over to us and he basically, he did, he, he uh, paid for our meal, the owner did. He came over and he stayed at the, or not the owner, the whatever general manager, whatever his title is, and he talked to us about our son. And he talked to us a little bit about our daughter, but he didn't know her as well. But he talked to us about our son and went on and on and on about our son because of, because of his name. And he paid for our entire meal. Listen, your name is important. And here in John chapter 1, we have one of the most unusual names, and it's really a title of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I was a boy, I, I used to read this scripture even as a, as a teenager, and I was confused by it because I knew who it was. I knew it was Jesus. But I wondered, why did they, why did they put this title here? And I want you to look with me in John chapter 1, please, in verse 1. John chapter 1, in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and that's the title for our Lord Jesus Christ, the Word. The Word, W-O-R-D. And in verse 1, three times the Lord Jesus Christ is called by that title, the Word. In fact, in verse 14, he's also called the Word. We sang it this morning, and I think verse 3 or verse 4, of, O come all you faithful, Word of the Father. And it's given in another Christmas hymn, too. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
the same, that is, the Word, was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him, in the Word, was life. I like that. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And I would read that and, and not argue with God. It was my limited understanding. And frankly, I, I had not ever heard it explained. Now, maybe my pastor or other people had explained it and I missed it or I didn't have ears to hear. I'm not blaming anyone. So whenever I come to this, I always try to explain it because of its power. It's, it's not just an unusual name. It's, it's one of the most important truths about the Lord Jesus Christ because of the title that he's given here. In the beginning was the Word, the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, the Word was what was God, and the same, the Word, was in the beginning with God. So understanding this title, understanding this Christmas, this Christmas name is crucial. The secret of life is understanding, listen to my statement here, the secret of life is understanding God as the Word. And that's not a sensational sentence. The secret of life is understanding God as the Word. Because to understand life, you must know God. And then if I'm going to understand God, I must know Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the Word. But why did God use that expression to put on him the title, his name, if you, as it were, I believe it's a title, to be the Word? Now, what do you do when you have questions, when you have problems, when you have burdens, and you don't know what to do? What do you do? And you go to God, and you still don't get the answer. And you come to the end of your life and you still don't have answers. Job was like that. Job came to God and he had all these questions. And he began to question God with these things. And then in Job, uh, at the end of the book of Job, God began to speak. And God did not answer one question that Job had. Many times uh, in life and for all of us, The most severe trials that you have, God will not give you answers. He will not give you explanations. He will just show you himself. And the more often that you demand explanations, you miss God. You miss his presence. Heaven is about fulfilling explanations, about learning why. You know, there's some good songs. I I don't have an issue with them. I I understand the heart of it that... One day when I get to heaven, I'm going to sit down at Jesus' feet and I'm going to ask him why. And I'll have the pleasure of him telling me why. But there are verses there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that talk about uh, when you're a child, you think in childish ways and then you become a man. And then he talks about the the fog of war, as it were, but it's the fog of life and the fog of of what happens. I, I don't understand It says, but then you will have his mind and you will know perfectly. Listen, when the rapture happens or when you die, listen carefully. In 1 John chapter 4, I think it is, you will know as you are known. And you will have to ask why. Immediately, immediately, you will have the mind of Christ. And you won't have to ask him. You'll know everything and you'll have all of your questions satisfied. So what do you do in this life when you have questions? Now, here it is. Jesus is the answer to every question you have. Now, listen to what I said. I didn't say Jesus will tell you your answers. I said Jesus is the answer to every question that you have. Here's what I've learned. This is true for you, but it's true for me. When I don't go to the proper source for my help, and I go to other areas for my help, First, I'm discouraged because I want I either want answers or I want relief. If I don't get relief, I want the answer. And here's a mistake. Sometimes we think, well, if I only knew why, I would feel better. And that's a lie from the devil. The truth is, is we want relief. 
sometimes we think, well, if I knew why, that would make me feel better. And so sometimes I've gone through this cycle and, and I've, I've learned this, that when I don't go to the right sources, there's discouragement and then there's despair and then there's depression. I've been a Christian for, for a long time, over 50 years. I've walked with God for, for much of that time. And yet I, I know this cycle, but I still tend to fall into it, even though I know better. And even though I know Christ Jesus is my Savior, I know Him. He's my Lord, as we talked about in life group this morning. But problems and pressures and needs, they always produce questions. And unanswered questions produce stress. The greater the problems, the greater the unanswered questions, and the more complex, the greater the stress. The stress begins to spiral, and then the discouragement comes. The pressure of the discouragement comes into your life, and when that is not answered, when it's not, when you don't go to Jesus with it, and sometimes he listen, he gives you himself. He's he's the word. He is the answer to your problem, not an answer. Not okay. Fill in the blank. This is why this happened. This is why you lost the baby. This is why you lost your job, but it usually has to do with loss. This is why I fill in the blank. He gives you himself. You'll find out why. But when you battle over that, or you don't like the answer, or you still want an answer, then there's despair. And then there comes depression. Every person can find help and answers to their questions by bringing them to Jesus Christ. Because He gives you His presence. He is the Word. He's the Word. And we're going to talk about that. I'm going to cultivate that this morning. And and it will help you. His title is the Word. Now let's look this morning for the message. this marvelous description of the Lord Jesus Christ and what it means. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word, same was in the beginning with God. The Word, the Word. Verse 14 says, He tabernacled with us. The Word, He was full of grace and truth. First, let's look at this. The identity of the Word. The identity of the Word. Who is the Word? Who is the Word? Well, the Word is Jesus, and Jesus is God. The Bible tells us that in verse 1. The Bible says in the last phrase, And the Word was God. The Word was God. Now, this is a blessing to me because only God can help me in my messes. Now, listen carefully. When I say help me out of my messes, He's not going to extricate me out of my messes. And sometimes He won't give me all the reasons out of my messes. But God, God, the Word, the Word, in the beginning was the Word. He will show up and He will help me. Let me tell you a funny story. I just thought of it. It's kind of fun. it's funny to me. It may not be funny to you. Uh, when I came here to Candidate to be the youth pastor in January of 1985, I stood behind this same pulpit. And we had pews back then. And it snowed that morning. It was, I think, the third, the third, uh, the third Sunday in January. It was a Super Bowl Sunday. Ice and snow, and we had maybe a handful of people here. Uh, very few people. We didn't have a Sunday night service because it was icy. It was dangerous outside. We probably shouldn't have had church uh, that day. And so. Uh, I got up to preach, and I preached that morning on the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. A very simple but a, a profound truth, not because my mind is profound, but because Jesus is profound, a profound truth. And some of you old-timers, I hesitate to say this because some of you old-timers will know who I'm talking about. But we had a, a dear family. They're still good friends of mine. They sat on the second row right here, the father with all of the family. He always sat right here on the end. And for whatever reasons, he had a habit of putting his, his elbow up on the end pew, and he would he would put his hand like this, and he would look at the preacher like this the whole sermon, 
like that. He would cover up his face and he would look at you. Now, I didn't know any of this. Nobody warned me. The pastor didn't tell me. Nobody loved me. They just fed me to the lions that morning. You know, you're up here preaching and you're, you're candidating. And then you're, you look out here and you look on the second row and you, you see this over here. And um, at first, I have a funny mind. I love fun and so forth. Well, that's, that's a funny thing. I thought, no, don't say anything. Don't do anything. He's serious. And so uh, after the service was over, um, I preached on the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus. So uh, this precious man, and I mean that. I'm not just saying that in a, in a deprecating way. He's, he's my friend, but I didn't know him then. He's, he's, he's an unusual person like me. And so he came up to me right down here. And he shook my hand, very serious, dead serious. And I looked up at him. He'd been looking at me the whole service. And he shook my hand. And I looked at him. I thought, what's he going to say? He said, Jesus is the word. And then he walked on. That's all. He didn't say hello. He didn't say good to have you. He didn't say where are you. He said, Jesus is the word. He was dead serious about God. If you know know him, know that's true. I think sometimes not he's the problem, but that's the problem is we throw words around. If I were to ask you who's the word, you'd say Jesus is the word. Well, what does that mean? You know the identity of the word is the Lord Jesus Christ. But what does that mean to you as a Christian? In Proverbs chapter 1, it gives a a number of, of benefits of wisdom and some words for wisdom. And one of the benefits of wisdom, one of the words for wisdom, the very words for wisdom, gives one of the benefits for wisdom. And it pictures wisdom as this, as a ball of twine that has just been uh, all mixed up and it's just in an unsightly, complicated mess. It's not in a real neat ball like you see in a store. I don't know if a machine, I'm sure it does, puts it out and it's just layered real nice. Like a cat got it. It's all messed up. I hate cats, don't you? I mean, if you have one, I probably would like your cat, Paula Wood. She had a cat named Tom. So maybe Paula would like it. But but, uh, if we came to your house, I would let Paula play with your cat. But, you know, that that, that cat would get there and then you get that twine and you say, i got to put this back. And it's all messed up. Odds are you may just want to throw that away because it would be cheaper just to buy another one. Well, the Hebrew word for, for wisdom is wisdom is able to see past a disorganized, unsightly pile of threads and be able to layer upon layer, be able to separate those threads and make, make that, that big ball of twine into something beautiful, like the song says, something beautiful of my life and something productive again. Now, one of the features of the Proverbs is the Proverbs are personified. And so sometimes when you read the Proverbs, it it makes them out to be a person. And the personification of the Proverbs is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ, as the Word, listen, as the Word, and I'll develop this and give you and put some concrete to it. As the Word comes into your life. And he begins to separate all of these threads. Line by line, precept upon precept. And puts them into order. Now, it may not be the answer you want. It may not even be an answer. But through his presence, because he is God. The Bible says the last line in verse 1 there. And the word was God. Only God can do that. Sometimes your husband can't help you. The pastor can't help you. I've been with people, and I wanted to help them. I've been in fewer homes and held hands and grasped hands of men and said, I, I have no words. And that's hard for a pastor. You can quote verses to them. But what I mean by that is, is I love you. I'm just here. There's not much I can say, but I'm here. 
But the Heavenly Father has words, but better than that, He has a word, and the word is Jesus, and He is God. And he can, he can put this back together again, not just in the next life, but in this life. But he does this not by explanations, but by his presence. Now, very quickly, there are four statements in this passage that show the deity of Christ, that show that he is God as the word, and he can put things back together again. Notice in verse 1, first of all, the word is in the beginning. Jesus is in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. Now, when it says the beginning, it's talking about creation. Now, he was at the beginning, but he wasn't created in the beginning. He was already here. Now, we speak in terms of time. God speaks in terms of eternity. Now, I'm going to blow your mind. I'm not going to try to explain this. I almost quoted Tozer. I actually looked up some things, and I thought, no, you can't do this. You'll spend too much time on it, and you'll lose them in the sermon. You need to read some Tozer stuff. It'll help you. And some other men have written about this too that could help. God has always existed. It's one of my favorite thoughts. It's when I lay at bed at night occasionally and then I realize well, it's not a resolute. Men and women too, but men, like they like to close the loop. And it's one that's open-ended. God has always existed. He was never born. There is no cause and effect for God. It drives atheists crazy. He's always been. So when it says in the beginning, that's for us, not for God. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus told people in John chapter 8 and verse 58, he told the Jews, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. And in that passage, in the next verse, I believe it is, the Bible says that they picked up stones to throw at him, to execute him. What he was saying is this. He was saying that I always existed when the beginning began, when time began, I already was. Now, you you accept this or you reject this. And it's a blessing to me that I don't have to figure out this concept of the eternality of God. Now, why did the Jews want to kill Jesus, it was a capital offense, it was blasphemy. And it was a federal penalty under their laws in the Old Testament. Because when Moses, God came to Moses and said, I have an assignment for you. And he said, well, I'm supposed to lead the people. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Exodus 3, verses 11 and 12. And God told him, he said, my name is I am that I am. Tell them that I am sent you. Here's the power of that. It's not that he was, it's not that he will be, it's not that he is, it means he was, he is, and he will be. He is, he exists, he's he's self-existent. So when Jesus said this in John chapter 8 and 58, before Abraham was, I am, here's what he was saying. The emphasis is not before Abraham was, I existed. Here's what he was saying. Because they loved Abraham, he was of their seed. Here's what he was saying. They were of his seed. Here's what he's saying. Before Abraham was... I am, I'm God. And they knew what Moses, that was the first name for God, and they knew that he was claiming to be God. He was in the beginning. This is God. He's eternal. He is transcendent. He's before time. There's nothing that happens in your life that God did not know was going to happen. Nothing. The Lord Jesus Christ... In John chapter 15, and I'm sorry, John chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, he answered the Jews in another place. This is all in John. He said, my father, notice that, my father worketh hitherto up until now, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him. Now they did it because they called him his father. Because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father. Now look at this. Making himself, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, equal with God. And God is eternal. And that's why it says in John 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word. He's always existed. He's self-existent. The Word is self-existent. The one that wants to help you. 
The only one that can help you. And He's there with you in the hospital. He's there with Mike and Judy. He's there with you in the ICU unit. He's there with you in the funeral home. He's there with you in the worst times of your life. He's in the beginning. Then the Bible says he was with God. Notice in verse 1 again. And the word was with God. Was with God. Now, this is interesting in the Greek language when it says with God. It doesn't have the idea that just a casual, well, he was just strolling with God. By the way, this has the idea of the Trinity. There's only one God manifest in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is another, you talk about the eternality of God. Now you have the Trinity. You cannot explain either one of these. And again, I thought about trying to explain this. I said, I'm going to get off track. I'm not going to help people if I spend time doing this. You either reject this or you accept this. It's given in the Word of God. There is one God manifest in three persons. The Word was with God. He wasn't worshiping the living God. And here's what what it means. In the original language there, it has the idea of of face-to-face with God. It's not just shoulder-to-shoulder. He was face-to-face. It has the idea of communion and fellowship. This is why it was so difficult on Calvary when he said, My Father, or my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is the Word. He's with God. He fellowships with God. Tozer said this. He said, God is not silent. It is the nature of God to speak. Don't miss this. It is the nature of God to speak. The second person of the Holy Trinity is called the Word. The Bible is the inevitable outcome of God's continuous speech. It is the infallible declaration of His mind. So we have the Word, this written Word, and then we have the living Word, which is the Son of God, because God always speaks And the Lord Jesus Christ is a living word, and he is eternal, and he is with the Father, and he's also with the Holy Spirit. One God manifests in three persons. At his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 and verse 5, he prayed and he said, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee. It's the same expression as used in John 1. With thee before the world was. Before creation. Before there was any universe. I was with you before the world was. Now I'm trying to bring some mystery into this. Because you're not going to worship God. You're not going to honor Him. But you're not going to go to Him when you need the Word. I don't mean the Bible. You need the Bible. But you need the present. You don't just need the Word of God. You need the God of the Word. And you need the Word, the living Word, Christ Jesus to help you. And then we, I'll not spend much time on this. He was God. The last line in verse 1. And the Word was God. He was not a God. He was not by God. Even though He was with God, it says in the previous line. He was God. Unmistakable clarity The Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, is 100% the Son of God, God the Son. He was God. And then the Bible says that He was Creator. Look at verse 3. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. God created not just the world, He created the universe. And God takes a lot of time to develop this. And the reason that he does is he wants you to see the power, the power of the word of Jesus. Watch this, W-O-R-D, Jesus as the word, and the small w, words of Jesus. Because when Jesus created the the world and the universe, all things were made by Christ, by the word. And without him was not anything made that was made. He did this by his words. The word, the living word created the universe by the spoken word. Look at these verses. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. That is, this is the church. Which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God. 
And then he includes this line, who created all things by Christ Jesus. Listen, the secret of life is knowing the Word, Christ Jesus, but it's knowing Him as the Word, the Creator, the God. It's not just when I'm walking with Jesus today, little Jesus, it's the Word, the Creator. He can help you. He can sustain you. Even though you don't have answers because He's bigger than you. He's eternal. Colossians chapter 1 verses 16 and 17. For by Him, and the prepositional phrase there, the the expression is by Jesus. If you go back to verse 15, for by Jesus were all things created. All things. And then He gives a list. Things that are in heaven. Things in earth. Visible things, invisible things. These are are spirit beings. Whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. This is a structure now of demons, but they were good angels. God never created a devil. He didn't create demons. When they rebelled against him, they became that way. This is a structure of, of angelic beings and now demonic spirits. All things... He repeats himself, were created by him, again, by him, by him, and for him. It's for him. It's for his worship. We are to worship him. And he, Jesus, is before all things, before the world was ever created. He existed. He wasn't created by God. He is God. He's eternal. And by him, three times in those two verses, it says by him, one time it says for him. And by him all things, he created all things, and by him all things consist. Most of you know this, the word consist means to hold together. By the spoken word of Jesus, the word, the living word. It, if, if God did not speak, the, the universe would implode and explode. It's what holds the planets in alignment. It's what holds the atomic structures together. It's the word of Jesus. Now, I I know the scientists can explain this through through, uh, the magnetic forces and all of this. Listen, it is the word of Jesus because there are some mysteries they cannot explain. By him, all things consist. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9 Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity, speaking about Christ. Therefore God, he's talking about God the Father, even thy God, speaking to the Son, even God the Father, even thy God, your God the Father, hath anointed thee, the Lord Jesus, with the oil of gladness. I want to stop there. I've heard people say, well, it's never recorded in the Bible where Jesus laughed. And it doesn't use that word. And I just want to pause here. Well, the Father anointed him with the oil of gladness. Jesus wasn't a grouch. The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The oil gives you joy, the the Spirit of God, the oil of gladness. Above thy fellows, that indicates to me he, he enjoyed life more than anybody around. And thou, Lord, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. In the beginning has laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. The Word created the universe with His words. Ten times in Genesis 1 is this expression, and God said, 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 ten times. Because creation was formed by the living word through his words, and he spoke the words and the worlds into existence. The entire universe, the sun, the moon, the stars, galaxies we've never seen with our telescopes and our eyes. Psalm 33 and verse 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. The word of the Lord. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He, God, the Lord Jesus, gathered the waters of the sea together as a heap. He, God, layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake and it was done. 
He commanded and it stood fast. And listen, He's doing that in your life. He's doing it in my life. Even though we rebel, even though we stumble, even though we fall. Someone said, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to God? God's not biting his fingernails. God's not saying, "Uh uh-oh. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, through faith we understand, not through your brain. You make a mistake. God gave you your brain. He wants you to use it. But there, there are some things everybody exercises faith in receiving things they do not comprehend. Everybody. The most ardent professing atheist does. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the Word of God. And here he's not talking about the Bible. He's talking about the living Word exercising His Word. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. There's a Latin word called ex, E-X, which means out of. Nihilo, N-I-H-I-L-I-O, which means nothing. Ex nihilo. It's out of nothing. When God created the world, He created out of nothing. I read one time where really no one is creative but God. Now, God gives us creative abilities. We have some musicians here, and there is a creative sense in that. But in the truest sense, the only creative person is God. Because He creates things out of nothing. I have a piano here. It's already there. God creates things out of nothing. He spoke the universe. Listen, you read Romans 4. I was telling Daniel a couple weeks ago, I love Romans 4. And what he did for Abraham and Sarah when God had nothing to work with. Nothing. Sarah's womb was dead. Abraham's seed was dead. He had nothing to work with. And God gave them a child. And your life may be dead, your opportunities may be dead, and, and it, may, it may be going nowhere. But the living Word, the Word, the Lord Jesus, can speak hope into your life and do some things for you that you could never do. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in these days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of that, watch this, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old. By the word of God. And that's where they stumble. It's not the time factor. It's how God created it. Because you can't put it in a test tube, and there's a lot of things you can't put in a test tube. The Word is Jesus Christ, and the Word is God. You need the Word. And to quote my friend, Jesus is the Word. First John chapter 5 and verse 7, there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, isn't this interesting? He doesn't say Jesus, He says the Word. And the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. A few more verses. One of the personifications in the book of Proverbs for wisdom, and I believe it's a personification of the Lord Jesus Christ. It goes back to creation. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 22, When he prepared the heavens, I was there. Wisdom was there, but I believe he's speaking about Jesus. When, notice the when, when he set a compass upon the face of the depth. When he established the clouds above. When he strengthened the fountains of the deep. When he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass because his commandment, in other words, stay in their boundaries. When he appointed the foundations of the earth. Then, then, I was by him as one that brought up with him. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, the Father and the Son, creating the universe together, delighting together in the creation of the world. 
There's a prophecy in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 about our Messiah. Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Some Bibles misquote this and say, Behold, a young maiden shall conceive. Well, that's not a sign. Young maidens get pregnant every day. The Hebrew word is Alma, A-L-M-A. Alma is a virgin. That's the sign. It's a miracle that a virgin gets pregnant. The Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Watch this. And shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. That's the sign. Not only does a virgin conceive, but, but, but the, the child is God. And that was fulfilled when Joseph was doubting. Mary's pregnant. I didn't do it. What am I supposed to do with her? God sent an angel to Joseph. And here's what the angel told him in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. And she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he, Jesus, shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. The prophet Isaiah saying, this is Isaiah seven fourteen: A virgin shall be with child. And shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. The word is with you. God is with you. Jesus is with you. The secret of the Christian life is the word. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's with you. He's God. He's eternal. He's with you today. If you know him, if you've been saved. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born. That's the humanity of Jesus. He was Mary's child. Unto us a son is given. That's the deity of Jesus. It wasn't Joseph's child. He was the son of God. The humanity, the deity of Jesus. And his name shall be called Wonderful. The government shall be upon his shoulder. Only God can carry governments, human governments, God's government in the millennium. And his name shall be called Wonderful. And some have said that The title Wonderful carries everything else here. Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful as the mighty God, the deity of Christ, as the everlasting Father, the Father of eternity. Wonderful Peace Bringer, the Prince of Peace. John chapter 10 and verse 30, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. This is another account. The Jews took up stones again to stone him. He did this on many occasions. Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. Because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. He didn't back away from it. He was the Word. He was the living Word. He was everlasting. He was eternal. And He's with you today. When Thomas was doubting and he missed the first appearance of Christ, a week later he happened to be in the upper room on the Lord's day that Sunday night. And Jesus walked through the door. Thomas was cowering in John chapter 20 and verse 27. Then saith the Lord Jesus to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto Jesus, My Lord, my Lord, and my God. Jesus didn't rebuke him. He received his worship. He accepted his confession. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Word from heaven, Jesus, let this mind be in you, Philippians 2, 5, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was the Word. He's with you. You say, preacher, why are these verses important? It's not just that He was deity, but if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, He's with you. Hebrews 1, 8. But unto the Son, the Son of God, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. 
Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. A great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming. The Word, the God, eternal God, the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 20, And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This, this, this is the true God and eternal life. We think of words as being impersonal. They can say very personal things. But when we say Jesus is the Word... It's the most personal thing in the world. If you would understand and know God, you must first know Jesus Christ. Listen, the secret of life is knowing Christ, the Word of the Father. Now what what burdens... What concerns, what, what have you been carrying that you need to take off your shoulders and give to Him? I, I wrote this message for you, but it, it's for me. The, these have been difficult years for me. And I'm not making these years because I'm a pastor. I'm not making these years because I know the Bible. I'm making these years because of the Word. This Word for sure. But the Word of God. The expression of the Father's heart to me, which is Jesus the Son of God. There are some questions I have that I don't have answers for and I'm probably not going to get them. But I have, I have the Lord Jesus Christ casting all your care upon Him for He cares for you but He doesn't just care for me. He can shoulder He can shoulder that burden because He is eternal. And He wants to do it for you. I want you to bow your heads with me today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder if you walked in here.